And the next guy reminds me of the Family Feud X sound, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. To get away from uh, talking about depressing things and uh, things that just linger in your mind, I want something slick and easy and, and a lot of fun. And Chris came through, and that's why he is the boss. He's a very smart young man. I guess not young anymore, but everybody's young compared to me. Watch um, your mouth. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mom. Uh, as we welcome you to this 520th episode of Unscripted, we're going to do something a little different. I don't want to talk about all the doom and gloom and the wonderful and wacky world of sports and whatever is happening in the regular world. It seems seemingly is pretty much uh, doom and gloom these days. So Chris came up with an idea that I'm looking forward to, and uh, it's apropos. I don't know if the National Football League is going to start this year. I still believe in my heart of hearts that it will, but I don't think we're going to have fans. Um, but again, there's so much to be determined yet before that Thursday night opener, and I think it's, what, September the 8th or something like that. I don't think, I don't think, that we're going to have a preseason. That's fine. Um, I don't care about four worthless worthless games, but I think we've got so many decisions to make in regard to all professional sports, but the one that seemingly is the most important to Chris and I is the National Football League, and I think it's going to be... There's so many decisions to be made, and this is why I think the lack of leadership at the top, Jane Goodell's husband, could be under fire for this. I really do. I don't think he's got the stones to make this happen. I would feel much more confident if Adam Silver or Gary Bettman were running the National Football League, but I'm not getting into that debate right now. All I, all I want to say is that we have a lot of things to get through before that first Thursday night game when the Kansas City Chiefs kicked the living hell out of Butchin and the Houston uh, Texans on that first Thursday night game. Having said all that, we are going to do a mock National Football League uh, fantasy football draft. And having said that, I'm going to hand the controls of the microphone over to the boss and let him uh, do the voodoo that he does. I want to laugh and giggle again. And the best way to do that is to get off the focus of coronavirus and all the other stuff and George Floyd and uh, the numbers rising and and uh, needing a death certificate to get over the goddamn border and all this other stuff that I'm dealing with right now. I hand the microphone over to Chris, and he will get this party started as we conduct our the season's first Fantasy Football National Football League mock draft. Sir, the floor is yours. Thanks, Mike. Okay, we're going to be using FantasyPros.com, who's got an excellent draft wizard that I really love. It's so good. You can just do... You can get hundreds and hundreds of simulations in in no time if you want to. Uh, it's, you can just instantly draft against the computer. I like how it doesn't just mindlessly go in order of their preset rankings. It'll try and throw you curveballs. Certain guys might go in the seventh round in one draft and the tenth in the next. They try to really, because, I mean, you'll, you can prepare until you're blue in the face, and then all of a sudden you go to a live draft, and someone takes a guy super early, right. or someone slides, and you just, you know, it's very unpredictable. So... I'm going to keep uh, going with my uh, with my education of Mike and getting Mike to become a fantasy football player. So uh, here we go. I've been playing for 15 years nonstop. I've had as many as, I think, 55 leagues in a year. It's pretty crazy. So anyway, we are going to go with half PPR rules. Uh, traditionally, uh, rule the rule was what was called standard. Now ESPN calls standard PPR. But anyway, 
Um, traditionally, you didn't get a point just for making a catch. Then someone came up with PPR, points per reception. And then they had leagues that were PPR. So you make a catch. doesn't matter if you got zero yards or lost yards on it. As long as you made a reception, any position, uh, that got an extra point, which is quite a bit. Uh, and it made it kind of ridiculous. So someone came up with recently half PPR. And over the last couple of years, half PPR, where you get 0.5 points for every reception, really evened it out. The idea behind PPR was... Uh, with uh, running backs. Running backs were the most important position in fantasy, and it it got to the point where it was hard to have, um, you know, especially as you get less and less bell cow backs in the NFL now, it was harder and harder to have really good running backs. So they wanted to even the playing field and make it so wide receivers were as important as running backs. That was the re- reason for doing this. Half PPR strikes the right balance. So we're going to do a 10-team league here. I am going to hit the randomized button to see which draft pick we get from 1 to 10. I'm doing that right now. And we have been given the ninth pick, which you might think is about the worst pick you can possibly get. But uh, I find it actually is really good because it guarantees us two stud running backs, which is what I always go for. I think that is very, very important. I've been consistent for the last 15 years. I will always tell you to go hard on the running backs. If When you get out of your first three rounds of the draft, if you don't have at least two running backs, good stud running backs, I think you're hooped. I mean, I just think it's an irresponsible strategy to take wide receivers too early, even the best guys like Michael Thomas. All right, so we're going to load this up. And uh, everyone knows Christian McCaffrey is going to be going first overall in most leagues this year, especially any sort of half PPR or full PPR. Okay, so we'll bring up our draft board here. Okay, and so here we are, Mike. Okay, so I'll pull up the draft board. And right now, so the first nine picks were Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Elvin Kamara, uh, Michael Thomas, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs. So here we are at the ninth pick. Now, if I load up all of our options, we do see a lot of people might look at Devontae Adams, who I know you like, and I like as a player, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, these top wide receivers. I don't think that it's responsible to take any of these guys here. If I could get any of those guys in the third round, great, rock on. But the problem is here, I'd say every year running backs are extremely important. This year might be the worst year I've ever seen for running backs. Like you get out of the second round and you're all and you're pretty much done with the best running backs. So and then you try to get them later. Wide receivers grow on trees. You can get them late in the draft. You can always find a bunch of them on the waiver wire that you can pick up anytime throughout the year. But running backs are a whole different story. So I'm only going to look at running backs. Uh, really here, our options are Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, or Miles Sanders. Those are the only five I would consider at this point. Now, I know you're a big Aaron Jones fan, but here's where I might need some of your Green Bay expertise. Aaron Jones was unbelievable last year, like a complete revelation, even though they gave Jamal Williams way too many carries. And Jamal Williams is a better run blocker, so I get it, but he got, and he was okay with the ball, but not nearly as good statistically as Aaron Jones. Now, I loved Aaron Jones. He helped me win my work league last year. He helped me win multiple championships last year, and he's fantastic at, at everything. But... As we all know, the Packers had the worst draft of all time. (laughs) And so this year, you've got a few things working against Aaron Jones, especially as a first-round pick in a mock draft. Number one, you're probably going to get some regression from 19 touchdowns. For sure. Even if nothing changed, you probably would. 
Number two, Jamal Williams is still there, still going to get a lot of carries and a lot of playing time for his run blocking work. And number three, they draft this AJ Dillon, who I was uh, who I was seeing was supposed to go in the fourth round, and then they take him in the second when they don't need a running back. Just but I mean, we could go off forever on the Packers' terrible draft. Anyway, long story short, here I have I have been avoiding Aaron Jones this year because of those three things what are your especially in the first round in the third round fine but first round I can't do it I don't think this year your thoughts on Aaron Jones this year well um I think for all of the reasons you just stated I I I agree with you there I also think that the Packers are going to be more run oriented than they've ever been obviously when you pick a a guy in the second round uh, and obviously they've got to think about Aaron Jones contract situation, which is rookie deal and Jamal Williams's rookie deals are both up at the end of this upcoming season, whenever that should start. I think there's a natural regression. I think that defenses are going to be a little bit more key keying on Aaron Jones moving forward. Um, but on your recommendation and what you've taught me, I will stay away from Aaron Jones in the first round. Yeah, I, I would say so too. And I, I also, I'm sorry, but I also believe in my heart of hearts that he still is kind of a skinny little runt, really, in the grand scheme of things. And I believe that there could be, could be a chance for an injury this year with Aaron Jones, just because, again, this guy is a small guy. He's not a big guy. I mean, none of the guys, you know, McCaffrey looks like he's, you know, built like a brick shit house, but he's not huge, but he's obviously well put together. I think he can handle a bigger physical toll on his body than an Aaron Jones could for sure. Um, but I out of with your recommendation and what I've learned from you, I will stay away from Aaron Jones. I have a guy that uh, I'd like your comment on as and this really pains me to say, but I think a guy that is going to have a big year in 2020 um, and again, burns my ass to say this and of course without a new contract he's not even going to show up anyway supposedly he's listening to his agent too much but I think this could be the year of Delvin Cook I really think the kid from the Minnesota Vikings could be really something special and he's playing for a bigger contract unless he gets one before training camp but I just think you know the Vikings lose digs they still have that idiot at quarterback uh number eight cousins yeah um Adam Thielen will get triple teamed they still have a good tight end, obviously, in Kyle Rudolph, but the weapons aren't like they used to be. And their number one pick, Justin Jefferson out of LSU, um, he's going to be good, no question about it. But rookies generally, right off the snap, don't contribute. Uh, and again, especially when you've got an idiot like Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, I'm looking for a big year from the kid Delvin Cook out of uh, uh, Florida State now calls Minneapolis home. That's who I'm looking at. But um, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Sure. Delvin Cook is a very, very important guy to talk about. I mean, for the most part, guys that are going in the first round, Jerry McCaffrey, Elliott, Barkley, Kamara, Thomas Henry, and Cook, those seven guys are, are generally top seven in pretty much any draft. And most of them, you know, it doesn't really matter. You take Kamara or Derrick Henry. I mean, it's like, okay, whatever. But Delvin Cook is the one that you really need to think about there that it doesn't feel quite as can't miss as the other one simply because uh, he's got such an injury concern. Mm -hmm. And now with the holdout threat, it's crazy. Uh, In fantasy football mock drafts, there's the concept of the handcuff, which is a backup running back. 
And if you draft Delvin Cook, you have to draft Alexander Madison. I don't care if you overdraft him. You can probably get him in the 11th or 12th round. Um, And I've been taking him even on teams where I don't have Delvin Cook because I think there's a good chance he plays. He's a very good player. When they play, if you don't look at the jersey number, you can't tell them apart because they not only run the same, they have the same haircut. Oh, okay. Right. Madison and Cook, like their plays. So I'm trying to figure out what Madison looks like. I don't. He looks exactly like. Delvin Cook. Well, I, I I get that, but I mean I don't remember. See, they paid the Packers so early last year that yeah. I and and Cook was in the lineup when they played the yeah. Packers. They played so early last year that I don't remember the Madison kid. So I'm having trouble yeah. remembering him. The, the, there were a lot of plays where I would think it was one of them and it was the other one, and yeah. they, they just they are unbelievably similar. Just is, the, yeah. is it good to say that a guy and here's a guy I really think that people. And again, I don't have your knowledge in re- in regard to fantasy, but this is an opinion of mine. I believe a guy that some people need to look out for this year is going to be Austin Eckler in regard to the Los Angeles Chargers because think about what the Chargers have. Um, I do like Tyrod Taylor. I think he's a lot better than people think. But outside of Austin Eckler, they've lost Melvin Gordon. He went to Denver. Um, they've got the rookie coming in from... from uh, Oregon to be quarterback somewhere down the line. I hope that Anthony Lynn stays true to his word and gives the job and and gives sufficient time for Tyrod Taylor to find his niche with the with the Chargers offense. But I think a huge component of that Chargers offense is going to be Austin Eckler next year for sure. That is actually a great pick because he is actually the next ranked running back after the guys I listed of Mixon, Chubb, Drake, Jones, and Sanders. The only reason I didn't list Eckler in this tier because uh, he was excellent yes, last year. And it's not just opportunity for him. He legitimately has maybe the best hands of any receiving back in the league. Like, his hands are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he catches almost every pass thrown his way. I mean, his numbers are great. The thing for me is he's coming from a very immobile, older quarterback with Philip Rivers who right. liked to dump off and check down yeah. and whatever else. And now he's going to a mobile quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Now... You would think Justin Herbert probably takes over at some point this year. I would I would expect at some point. And then maybe he dumps off to him a little more. But there are still weapons out there. I mean, Hunter Henry is a great young tight end. You've got Mike Williams is a great red zone threat. You've got Keenan Allen in the slot. And then also just for running back touches, uh, Justin Jackson has, you know, was built more to be that every down uh, running back, he's bigger than us, Austin Eckler, and now they drafted Josh Kelly as well oh, yeah. to be another running back. So he could be elite again, especially in half PPR or full PPR leagues. But he could things could totally change. I'm I'm just not sure. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many question marks in that it's changed. They have a better O line this year. You know when they just fleeced the Panthers by getting. Uh, Trey Turner for Russell Okung, and they got Belaga from the Packers, yeah, but of Bilago course. Yeah, will be hurt by the first quarter of the season. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, that's the only reason I did include Eckler there. So we are, uh, so Miles Sanders, I think we can probably get in the second. I'm taking Miles Sanders, uh, the running back for the uh, for the Eagles, in the second round of almost every draft. Uh, Eckler and Jones will skip for now. Uh, so there's Kenyon Drake, who I also like in the second round, but he's never shouldered a full load. He had a f- he had a few game stretch there where he was great, and most of that off of two games. And uh, I, I like him, but uh, I, I I don't I don't I'm not as high on him for the reason just simply this. I think when you get a wide receiver like they got and fleecing the Houston Texans, 
I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of throwing of the ball down in Arizona next year with Kyler Murray and his new toy with uh, Hopkins Mm -hmm. in Arizona. I think that they're going to, and you know, what's his face? Numble nuts out there. The coach, Cliff Kingsbury with the, with the pretty house. Mm -hmm. Um, Love his house. Love his house. I think that uh, they are going to be just almost like throwing it like Kingsbury used to when they mm-hmm. used to have the air raid system. Oh, that's what they're doing in uh, Texas Tech when he was quarterback there under Mike Leach. So, I, I truly think that uh, the the most potent offensive weapon on the Arizona Cardinals is going to be one wide receiver. So um, I, I'm not as high on Kenyon Drake, but. You pick, you know, you make a good. Well, pick it, it's down to these two, and I've been really torn on these two. And this is, and these are the two highest ranked left. And this is who I thought it would come down to. I just wanted to list those other ones, but it really at this spot, if you're picking ninth, you want to be ready for this exact choice. Uh, whoever's listening here, like, make sure you're ready for the choice of Joe Mixon or Nick Chubb, and you know who you want to take. Which running back from the AFC North you would rather pick? And here's the difference. So Nick Chubb, of course was amazing last year, uh, almost won the rushing title. Derrick yep. Henry passed him at the very, very end. Yep. Nick Chubb did have the luxury of having no Kareem Hunt for the first 10 weeks of the season. Right. And of course, Kareem Hunt was a uh, rushing champion as a rookie Correct. and now is is the backup back there. Kareem Hunt is an elite, maybe the most elite handcuff and the most important backup running back in fantasy. Uh, I take Kareem Hunt all the time, even in leagues where I don't have Nick Chubb. If you do have Nick Chubb, I mean, just absolutely essential to have him as a handcuff and has have him as an option there. Joe Mixon, you don't need to worry about Gio Bernard anymore. He's not doing too much anymore. Uh, so it's just, um, you can draft Mixon and not have to worry about getting handcuffed later, in my opinion. But Nick Chubb has shown that he can really rack up the yards, but will he regress a lot with that because Kareem Hunt is supposed to be there all year now? Plus, there is a fairly... Uh, questionable history when it comes to guys like Chubb and Henry who have just massive amounts of work one year and then the next year they usually you know they'll get hurt or they'll regress or whatever Joe Mixon though is going to a uh, a new completely new team completely new offense with with uh, Joe Burrow and that's what I was thinking you know you've got a rookie quarterback who's going to start from day one and as talented as he is it's still an adjustment from from uh, Ohio State to LSU to the Cleveland, or excuse me, to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think Kevin Stefanski is an underrated offensive mind in Cleveland. I think that this is a big year for that piece of crap, Baker Mayfield, uh, to either put up or shut up in Cleveland. And uh, trying to learn a new system under a second-year coach who didn't have a lot of success in year one, and, you know, and, and this is not a shot at the young coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, but... If if you're asking me, I'm I'm going to stick with Nick Chubb on that spot. I'm I'm fifty fifty. It's it's such a hard decision. The thing I like about Nick Chubb when I really looked at it was well a lot about it, but I think he's number one or right up there anyway. I think he and De- Derrick Henry are the top guys when it comes to um, yards after first contact, which doesn't surprise me then that they well, would lead the league in rushing. And I think Cleveland's going to be improved just because Freddie Kitchens isn't on the staff anymore. And that's the second thing, too. When I looked at the numbers, what I really noticed was Freddie Kitchens... Is I, an idiot. Well, yes. And the biggest area where he was an idiot was he might be the worst play caller in the red zone in the NFL history. I mean, the amount of times I would watch... There was that one game. They were on like the one-yard line, and they had eight shots at it, and they didn't get in. With Nick Chubb. And Kareem Hunt as your running backs. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, he he was so bad at red zone play calling that I would expect that uh, even if 
Nick Chubb doesn't get quite as many yards as he did last year because he has to share more games with Kareem Hunt. He has to have some positive touchdown regression and get more touchdowns, I think. So, yeah, let's go with Nick Chubb here, but I don't fault anyone for taking Joe Mixon. Oh, absolutely not. I just think Joe Mixon is is trying to learn a new system, trying to get to the idiosyncrasies of a new quarterback. And uh, this is only year two in the young coach, and I can't remember his name in Cincinnati, but... Uh, Zach Taylor. Uh, Zach Taylor, that's it. Very good. But uh, I just think for some of the reasons that we stated earlier, um, I think Kevin Stefanski is, again, a very underrated play caller. Um, Cleveland can go nowhere but up. Uh, they've improved their offensive line. I think Nick Chubb, for me, would be the better pick there. Sure. Okay. And now, uh, the at the turn, as they call it, the, the person picking with uh, the 10th and the 11th pick, because obviously, you know, it's a snake draft, so yep. they, get, they get the double pick. They went double wide receivers. They took Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. So that means Joe Mixon is still on the board. Uh, I think as much as I love Miles Sanders, uh, we need to take Joe Mixon here. And and you end up with Chubb and Mixon. And this is what I've noticed. If you're picking ninth, which is the most unsexy spot in a 10-team draft, nobody wants to pick ninth. At least you get 10th, you get the double pick. Right. Right. Eighth, you're still... You know, ninth is just horrible. But here's where it becomes great. A lot of people are going to overdraft other positions or take too many wide receivers too early. And here's where you take advantage. Now we have Nick Chubb and we have Joe Mixon. Now it comes back to us and uh, as expected, it's been nothing but wide receivers and running backs except for the top two tight ends and the top two quarterbacks are off the board. And this is what you'll see in pretty much every draft. If you're wanting one of these four guys, you need to take them in the second round. We would have had to skip Joe Mixon for one of these guys. Of course, the top two tight ends are Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Mm-hmm. I actually personally have Kittle ranked higher this year, especially if you're in some sort of keeper or dynasty or multi-year league. Uh, Kittle's five years younger, so I mean, you'd, you'd rather have him. But even for the, just this year, I like him better. And of course, the top two quarterbacks are Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson last year, because of his rushing, crushed all other quarterbacks, including Mahomes, uh, when it comes to fantasy points. But you'd think that his career would have less longevity. It should be fine for this year, certainly, and and a number of years after. If I'm in a dynasty or long-term league where you keep your roster from year to year, I would want Mahomes. Uh, If it's just this year, I personally like Lamar Jackson. I'm with you all the way way there. Um, Mahomes has a uh, a lot of weapons to use in his arsenal. Uh, and I'm not I'm not ge- throwing shade on the Baltimore Ravens because you know they've got uh, they've got some very talented players, including Mark Ingram, who won a Heisman Trophy at one time. But I think uh, a lot of the offensive responsibilities in Baltimore lie on the shoulders of Lamar Jackson, and I would be more comfortable going that route at this pick. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this is an interesting. This is one of the toughest places I have seen to pick in the entire draft. This year in 2020 is if you're picking around the ninth spot, the third round pick and even the fourth round pick, it is really tough here because you're almost looking at guys that you'd kind of like to get later, but it's a tough, tough spot. And this is why it's so important that we got Chubb and Mixon. We have two stud running backs and we're way ahead of the game just right there already. So the only running back, I, I love getting the triple running back to start, but the only running back I could even look at in this whole range right here, and I mean like for the next bunch of running backs that are ranked, would be the next ranked one who is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who is the rookie for Kansas City, 32nd overall out of LSU, LSU yeah. Joe Burrow's running back there. Yep, yep. Now, I, I've been saying lately to people, I don't know if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be the next Christian McCaffrey or the next Darren Sproles. 
and I like Darren Sproles, but, you know, or I mean, he could just be terrible for all we know, but is he going to be this elite running back who can catch the ball and run and be a bell cow and do everything like he was at LSU? Or is he going to be James White or Tariq Cohen or someone like that who's just a pass catching back? And we haven't seen him play so, I mean, do we use a third-round pick on him? And as of right now, Damian Williams is still the starter, technically. Well, and that's just what I was going to say. That's your number one guy in the running back position in Kansas City. Just just off of that performance in, in the last Super Bowl, he was outstanding in that game. And he was so outstanding that you didn't even realize that Shady McCoy was a healthy scratch. So Yeah. Um, and he probably deserved the MVP of the Super Bowl. I, I, I totally agree. Um, the way... You know, they're down uh, how many points was six minutes left, and the guy just took over. And yeah. that was prime time. Uh, Williams is your guy in Kansas City. So I'm probably, my two cents worth on the situation is I'd probably pass on the young man from LSU. Yeah, I'd like to get him later. He, If anything, his stock has almost fallen in draft earlier, like right after the draft happened a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, when I was doing mock drafts, I saw him going like early second round and stuff like crazy. It's it's a it's a weird situation. I don't think I've ever seen this to this degree in my 15 years of fantasy. It's almost a reverse handcuff scenario where you have to take the the young rookie who's just been drafted, never played in the NFL. You'd have to take him in the third round or the second, and then you have to take this starting running back who just won the Super Bowl and should have been the MVP in the Super Bowl, and you can get him in like the 10th or 11th round. Wow! So it it's almost like you take the handcuff first and then the starter. Yeah. It's it's a weird scenario, but if you take CEH, as he's being called, I think you have to make sure you get Damian Williams later. Uh, it's a weird scenario. So I agree with you, but look at how bad the next bunch of running backs are. I'm just going to go through the next few running backs and just show you how bad this is and just drill in to everyone listening how important it is every year, but especially this year, to get your stud running backs early. We're sitting here with Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon sitting pretty but look let's say we weren't there let's say even one of those we had picked uh deandre hopkins or julio jones like great guys right let's say we'd done even even once because you need at least two starting running backs next todd Gurley. any any problems there well yeah i mean i you know that's great that matt ryan's all excited and how good todd Gurley looks and as much as i like todd Gurley personally and his game you just gotta there's there's injury concerns there for sure yeah Leonard Fournette, who I know you had as the offensive player. The <laughs> had to remind me, didn't you? But anyway, you know, it's not even the team wants to trade him. He's not happy there because no one's happy in Jacksonville. They're going to have so many negative game scripts. They're the worst team in the league. They're not going to run the ball much, uh, which. Well, they're, they're, they're not going to be able to run the ball because they're going to be so behind that they're exactly. going to have to throw. It, it's going to be like Blake Burles was in whatever, 2016, 2017, whenever that was, when Blake Burles was the greatest garbage time quarterback right. of all time. And we're going to see this later. I'm going to talk about this later, but it's going to be the same thing in Jacksonville. There is some stuff you can take advantage of later. When you know that teams are going to be doing a lot of garbage time, uh, it's going to be. It's it's something you take advantage of fantasy because it doesn't matter if you get your touchdowns with no time left on the clock in the fourth quarter or at the beginning of the first. It's worth the same amount. So uh, the passing game is a whole different option in fantasy in in Jacksonville for a few reasons there. And just just to skim through these, Chris Carson injury concerns, any fumbles too much. Le'Veon Bell, Adam Gase doesn't even like him. <laughs> James Conner has three guys gunning for his job, and he's an injury risk. David Johnson can't even play football anymore. Jonathan Taylor, I think, will be fantastic with a great O-line, but he's not this, he, same as CH, he's not the starter yet. No. 
And and Naeem Hines, you'd think the pass well, catching and, back, Philip Rivers will love him. And Jonathan Taylor, as good as he was at Wisconsin, that offense was tailored to him, no pun intended. And obviously, he's got some things to learn in Indianapolis under Coach Wright. So, um, yeah, Jonathan Taylor at this point, at this high in the draft, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, consider him. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a dynasty, even I know that. If you're in a dynasty league, yeah, I want Jonathan Taylor. Oh, but, for sure. But in a league for this year, having to take him in the third or fourth round, you can't. Too high. Yeah. Uh, Mark Ingram, who they, who's old, and they've said, even though it's on a team that rushes a lot, but Lamar takes a lot of the carries right. away. And John Harbaugh has said it's going to be a four-way committee with Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, and Gus Edwards all getting time. J.K. JK Dobbins is going to be the best of the bunch before it's all said and done. And the Baltimore Ravens said they had a first-round draft grade on him, and he was if they could have had any running back in the draft, yeah. they would have taken him. Again, Eric De La Costa, I think that's his name, the general manager in Baltimore. Amen. My God, you don't even know that Ozzy's gone. I mean, he's done mm-hmm, such an mm-hmm. unbelievable job. And, you know, you get Patrick Queen at the end of the first round oh. to add to that awesome defense. I know I'm going off topic, but this is unscripted. Well, this is on topic. And uh, I, I truly think that J.K. Dobbins, man, you know, if he would have been the main bell cow at Ohio State under um, under Urban Meyer and then the guy, Coach Day, if he would have been the main bell cow, he would have put up Jonathan Taylor-like numbers. I truly believe that. And I, I'm just so excited uh, that J.K. Dobbins, two reasons. I'm excited for him as a future star in the National Football League, and I'm very, very happy that he's not in the NFC North. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I mean, it just goes on and on. It's just, I call this the barren wasteland of running backs. It's, David Montgomery did nothing for the Bears. I was just going to say, there's got to be a Bears running back in there somewhere. Yeah. And then he says David Montgomery. And he Boom. was. I was so disappointed in him last year, and they were playing Mike Davis, and then Montgomery didn't seem to do much, and he let me down week after week. I do love Tariq Cohen, especially in full PPR leagues. Half PPR, not as much. But in full PPR leagues, Tariq Cohen is a monster. He gets so many catches that it just racks up the fantasy points. And uh, Tariq Cohen is a must-draft in full PPR half uh it's not quite maybe later level. on then for maybe him? we'll see we'll see what's around that area but okay. i do i do like to and i respect Tariq cohen he actually went on twitter yesterday and he was uh he was telling people hey post videos of where you think i screwed up and i'll tell you what i was thinking whoa and and he was sitting there and like telling people like it and they were like what were you thinking here and he'd be like walking them through it so i like Tariq cohen i think he's cool so that's fine and here is, I, I was, uh, I saw someone on Twitter uh, yesterday say this is might be the biggest trap in the draft. Uh, Raheem Mostert. Okay. Ooh, okay. I like that young man. I know. I, I do too. However. Even though he made the Packers defense looks like shit. Yeah, he sure did. Um, Mr. Shanahan doesn't like to rely on one running back. If you saw last year, it's like he would rely on one running back and then, then and he'd have a great week and the next week. Just another one. So, I mean, you might see Raheem Mostert have a great week, and then Tevin Coleman all of a sudden. But you know what? His dad was the same way in his heyday at Denver. He would go with a back that was hot. And Mm -hmm. as great as when he had the Davis guy, remember him? Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis. There were days and he'd sit Terrell Davis, too, just because he had a feel or he had a... Uh, this guy was a better mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. better fit against the defense that we're going to play, and you're sitting a Hall of Famer. So I think Kyle Shanahan gets that from his daddy. And yeah. uh, I, I, Jesus Christ, guys, if you look at the two games that Mozart had against the Green Bay Packers, you'd have put him in a freaking Hall of Fame. 
But uh, actually, you, you just reminded me now, I, I forgot to go and remortgage my house to make a massive bet on the under on the yards in Vegas on Raheem Mostert, because <laughs> someone's got him listed at over under 1,700 yards this year, no fucking and way. I'm taking Unless the under. Unless he's playing the Packers nine times, that ain't happening. I, I forgot to uh, go and put a million dollars down on the under on that, because Tevin Coleman's going to have his weeks. Jarek McKinnon is still there two years after they take John Lynch. John Lynch makes that weird move to take him from the Vikings. They gave him a four-year, $30 million contract, and he hasn't played for two years. Totally forgot about him. Exactly. So he's there. And I mean, he was always kind of a Tariq Cohen pass-catching back, but they they paid him like he was going to be their starter. And they've got this guy I really like, who you saw last year, Jeff Wilson Jr., who they like as a red zone specialist. So how do you draft Raheem Mostert with all this competition and right. not even being guaranteed work in the red zone? Right. And, no, and a Shanahan. It's a great point. You can't. I like, wouldn't have, again, unless he's playing the Packers nine times, I wouldn't be taking Well, he played guy. it twice, and, and, he he, and you noticed twice. him. And you noticed killed him. Killed us twice. You no, noticed no him. No question. And uh, the last one I'll say, before I get into a couple running backs that I do like later on, uh, is, uh, and this is in the NFC North, uh, DeAndre Swift. Now, I want to say he uh, he was drafted. Detroit? Yes. Drafted to be the next Carryon Johnson, but Carryon Johnson's still there. Carryon Johnson was my biggest running back miss last year. I was taking him early on, and he let me down. And I don't really blame him. It wasn't all his fault. But uh, other than Barry Sanders, I don't trust running backs. How many running backs have the Lions been through the last few years? I can't even remember them all. And you think of that guy like Kevin Smith. He had like like three or four touchdown game, and then you never hear from him again. No. And it's just, I don't trust running backs in Detroit unless they're named Barry Sanders. And I just, I, I know in if you're in a dynasty league, yeah, take a shot on this kid maybe. If you can't get Edward Solaire or Jonathan Taylor or Dobbins or something, but I don't know. I just, I can't bring myself to get excited about him, even though I'm sure he's a great player. No, I'm right there with you. There's just so much uncertainty, and I know that they missed Matthew Stafford, obviously, most of last season, but again, and, and with, with all due respect to our, our uh, fantasy uh, football guru, Sean Nichols, um, who's a diehard Lions fan, um, this is a dysfunctional organization. And there is just something not right when you haven't competed for or won a championship since 1954. And uh, the last time that the Detroit Lions uh, won a playoff game, to my recollection, was when, in the late 80s when they beat the Dallas Cowboys. So um, I, I would, again, I'm a newfie at this, a newbie, newfie, <laughs> newfie. whatever you want to call me. <laughs> I'm new at this. Uh, no disrespect to our, our Newfoundland brothers. I don't mean any disrespect, but I'm new at this. But I would avoid, unless Kelvin Johnson comes back or Barry Sanders or Billy Sims comes back to Detroit, I avoid uh, the silver and blue of the Detroit Lions. Okay, so what we're going to do here is I'm going to... Because somebody good. I'm going to give you a choice between the best tight end remaining and the best wide receiver remaining, okay? Mm -hmm. So the top-ranked tight end right now so the number three behind the big two of kelsey and kittle any idea who would be ranked as the third tight well end? i'm telling you right now a guy that i would look at is is uh the kid that uh should have never left green bay and that's jared cook in new orleans i like him a lot uh, aaron Rodgers liked him a lot and we haven't re- adequately replaced jared cook i don't know if he's on your list but in my head jared cook would be a guy that uh would be a keeper i know he's got some injury concerns um and you know, um, the other guy I'm thinking about is Austin Hooper. 
and uh, Austin Hooper signed a four-year, $44 million contract with the Cleveland Browns. And if Baker Mayfield has a brain cell remaining left in his head, and that's up still for, up for debate, yep. but if he does have a brain cell in his head, his number one target in my mind is going to be Austin Cooper on that under, Austin Hooper, excuse me, on that underneath stuff. Because I think sometimes people don't realize one of the problems that you have getting the ball to OBJ is that OBJ runs two deeper routes. He doesn't run good crossing routes. He doesn't go across the middle. And I think Austin Hooper might be aligned to be the number one target in Cleveland. So I like, I don't know if that's anything to do with the two names that you're going to give me, but two off the top of my head, Jared Cook in New Orleans, Austin Hooper now of the Cleveland Browns. So Cook is ranked as the ninth tight end and Hooper is the 10th. So Cook, I, I I don't mind Jared Cook. I can take him in a league, and that's okay. They did draft Adam Troutman, who was supposed to be the top tight end in the draft, and they got him like as the third or fourth tight end off the board. Yeah. So uh, that's okay. Austin Hooper was fabulous last year, and I was looking forward to drafting him this year. You can actually get him shockingly late. He's got great hands, and uh, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that Cleveland offense. So I'm not sure what I think. I don't I don't like to buy too high on guys that are changing teams but see the reason i think sorry but i think the reason hooper might be integral at least at the beginning in cleveland is because again uh, our favorite whipping boy baker mayfield is learning his third offense in three years and he's going to have to i think at the beginning he's going to have to depend on a guy that he can dump off to get it out in the flat get it in you know just mm-hmm. 10 or 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. And I think that's where Hooper is going to really thrive in Cleveland as Baker, the rocket scientist, gets used to his third offense in three years under Kevin Stefanski. So that's my reasoning, I think, behind the Austin Hooper pick. Yeah, Austin Hooper is one of the few guys I am willing to take, but not in the third round. We can get no, him really No, I understood. We can I get, get him that. really I get late. that, but I, I just... I wanted to share that with you because I think at the beginning, he's going to be a security blanket for the sure. idiot from the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other guy I'm taking extremely late is actually his replacement in Atlanta, Hayden Hurst, who they got from Baltimore. Baltimore yeah. Because, I mean, no one throws the ball more than the Atlanta Falcons, and they are used to having that tight end what about, there. Uh, now, I'm not including Gronkowski. I don't no, like him. fuck him. But... I remember you telling me that there were two really good tight ends in Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to be utilized a lot with Tampa Bay down there with the Buccaneers. I don't yeah. know your thoughts well, about that. Well, they're going to, yeah, I'm sure they'll do more two tight end sets because they do have Brayton Howard, but uh, I can't trust any of them last year. Last year, they just stopped throwing to O.J. Howard. Brayton, I love, but they don't use him enough. Gronk, they're going to force the ball for, even though he, he, they're going to force the ball to him, even though he looks like he's 150 pounds now. Yeah. So I don't know. But no, uh, speaking of Baltimore tight end, the number, the clear number three in fantasy this year uh, tight end is Mark Andrews, who ended up being probably, in the end, Lamar Jackson's favorite guy to throw to yeah, out of anybody. So we can look at Mark Andrews, who I think is a great young player, or the top wide, wide receiver uh, that I didn't mention in passing early in this episode. And this is, I think this guy might be one of the most underrated players in the league. And his name is Allen Robinson, and he plays for the Bears. And now, hold on, he did, if you remember, the reason I mentioned him earlier was a few years ago, he, with Alan Hearns and Blake Burles in Jacksonville, garbage time was just, if you had them in fantasy, you just waited till the end of the game, and the Jags were down by a bunch, and they just... Lit up. He'd get a 60-yard touchdown at the end of every game, and it was like, it was crazy. I, I, I think that I would agree more with the Allen Robinson pick on our team if Nick Folds is the quarterback versus 
Trubisky. Oh, absolutely. Now, if you look at Trubisky, his, can't throw to his sister. I know, but now Allen Robinson's numbers with Trubisky were pretty good, and he had just an unbelievable amount of uncatchable balls. But because Trubisky's so bad, but even with that, his numbers were respectable. Okay. Now you now you have Nick Foles coming in. No one's question. Nick Foles is for sure going to beat out Trubisky for the well, job. Come on, you don't send you don't send a draft pick and then. Uh, uh, not a high draft, well, a mid draft pick, a fourth round pat draft pick to Jacksonville, but you're also not going to a team that has salary cap concerns like the Bears do, and we know their general manager's an idiot. We get all that, but you're not going to absorb three more years on Nick Folds's contract for him to come up and sit on the bench. Yeah, absolutely. And so when because I'm so hell bent on this strategy of making sure you get your stud running backs early, when I go to a live draft like my work draft, I don't even have. Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams. I don't even have them on my list because I know they're not going to be available at any pick where I'm willing to take them. I will say this. I truly believe that Devontae Adams' numbers are going down this year because, I mean, you can be Helen Keller as a defensive coordinator and realize that that is really up until we see something from Messrs. Alan Lazard and E.Q. Smith and uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) MSP or whatever the fuck he is, uh, the other guy, Marquez, Valdez, whatever, unless we find, uh, you know, and we all know how much you love Devin Devin Funches, until there becomes a second weapon, I think you could be, you could you could install me as the defensive coordinator, and I'm going to sit three guys on Devontae Adams, and you're going to have to beat me with somebody else. I'm willing to take that chance if I'm a defensive coordinator yeah. going up against the Packers offense right now, especially through the air. And I think that's why the Green Bay Packers are going to be running the ball more in 2020, just because Brian Idiot Gutekunst did not draft what the Packers needed. Yeah, shocking. And uh, But anyway, yeah, so for, for my draft, at the top of my list, you won't, I mean, yes, if I could get Michael Thomas in the third round, yes, of course he's at the top of my list. He's of, gone. Of course he's, at, of course he's the best receiver in fantasy uh, this year. But at the very top of my wide receiver rankings, the first two that I actually expect to get that I'm willing to spend decent draft, draft capital on, and it's a tie right now. I don't know who I'd rather have. But it's Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay. And Kenny Galladay is off the board. He was taken with the second pick in the third round here uh, from the Detroit Lions. Right, he, right. he was great. So it's really... Let's it's go Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. Done. Okay. Allen go. Robinson, really, really nice pick you here. You sold me on that one. Okay, perfect. It's like a used car sale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now the double pick from the guy there. And this guy has taken Odell Beckham and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So now we still, uh, receivers aren't too exciting for a bit here. I'd say let's just take Mark Andrews and get an elite tight end, if you don't mind. Nope, fine, go. Okay, so now that's out of the way. So we got an elite tight end. Later on, I have talked to my agent, though, and we will be talking to Jared Cook. Sure. (laughs) If we need a backup tight end, then no problem. But for the most part, I... And I'm withholding my services if I don't get Jared Cook. (laughs) I'm going to be a prick like these athletes are these days. I like to... You know what I find? I find you take one kicker and one defense at the very end. Take one tight end and one quarterback. And quarterbacks you can get at the very, very end of these... Half the good quarterbacks in the league are left at the very end of the draft. So unless you're getting Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, you can get a guy who's going to be really good for you at the very end of the draft. So okay. um, so quarterback's not even a priority. So all we really have to do in my drafts generally are I like to make sure you end up with three or four wide receivers and the rest is running backs. You start off with a couple, two or three stud running backs, and then in those like rounds nine to 13 it's just all depth running backs and uh and handcuffs and that so okay so it comes back to us in the fifth round and now let's look at 
Running backs again, still haven't gotten through that list, that barren wasteland, as I said here. So this is usually where in picks like three or four until five or six or seven, I'm just getting all my running backs out of the way. Kind of right thing here. So, okay, first one available. And this is a very interesting one this year. And I do not want him, but his name is Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons. Now, he is getting so much hype this year. I know he's a decent player. He started off for the first couple weeks last year. He was the best wide receiver in fantasy, and he completely fell off. He has Julio in front of him eating up a ton of yards. Right. And now he's got Hayden Hurst taking over the Austin Hooper role, who I think will get a lot of catches as well. Uh, he could be the third option in that offense. And his his hype train is just getting higher and higher. And, like, I mean, I'm expecting if it keeps going like this, you're going to see Calvin Ridley being taken in the third or fourth round uh, coming up here. Uh, so I have no interest in Calvin no, Ridley. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay. Now, the guy I do want to take, I can see who it is right now. There are all sorts of great values this year with the LA Rams. The LA Rams, and the only one who's not a good value this year of the, on the whole team, really, is Cooper Cup. Because Cooper Cup was a top five wide receiver in fantasy last year. Mm-hmm. And this and what happened was, ne- near the end of the year, they went to two tight end sets all the time. And they moved him from the slot to the outside. And he is an elite slot receiver, but he's not very good on the outside if you look at the, de- the in-depth numbers. Right. But you can get everyone else. Tyler Higby went from unknown to one of the best tight ends in football. In most of my drafts, I'm taking Tyler Higby around the seventh or eighth round. Okay. And he's excellent. Um, and Jared Goff, you can get at the very end of the draft. And I expect him to put up tons of numbers. They don't have Wade Phillips to uh, run their defense anymore. I could see Goff putting up just crazy numbers, having to throw the ball all day long. But uh, the guy that we should look at right now, and it's such an unsexy name, so you can get him later than he should go. It's Robert Woods. Oh, yeah. And he has just been fantastic. Uh, last year... He's a kid out of USC, right? Yeah, and he was in Buffalo for right. a while. Right. And then the Rams signed into a big contract, and everyone's like, why are you paying him so much? for f- like It's like 8 million times 5 years. They ended up giving him a raise just for the heck of it recently because he's played so well. Uh, He only had two touchdowns last year, so you'd think that has to go the other direction. At the end of last year, he was on the field for over 90% of plays in Cooper Cup, uh, way less than that. So Robert Woods, I think, is just a brilliant pick, and people don't want to pick him because he's just not an exciting name. And I love Robert Woods. If he's a producer, I don't give a damn what he looks like. If he produces yards and touchdowns, that's the goal of the game. So. If you're that uh, if you're that high on him, let's pick him. Okay, sounds good. And then I definitely would like to get a third receiver uh, with the next pick. So the next guy took David Johnson and Keenan Allen, neither neither of whom I'm interested in. You can in have them. And uh, next receiver, Ridley's still on the board. Tyler Lockett, I've really enjoyed the last couple of years, but I don't want him this year. DK Metcalf seems to be more of the number one receiver there, and Lockett's really boomer bust. He'll have a big game, and then you don't hear from him for a couple of games. And next is, uh, but he does have a he does have a connectivity with Russell. He Wilson. does. He does. And when Russell Wilson's in trouble, which is a lot of the time behind that poorest offensive line in Seattle, he seems to go to Lockett a lot, and Lockett bails him out. It's true. I, I agree with that, but I am not comfortable with him this year as a sixth round pick. That's okay. all. That's all. But these next two guys, I got to talk to my agent. <laughs> these next two guys, I absolutely love. Okay. Okay. The first one. 
Uh, well, I'm going to do the second one first. The one who's ranked slightly lower is Terry McLaurin, who was unbelievable last year for the Kid Washington from Redskins. from USC, or from Ohio State, yeah. Yeah, he was fantastic. And the guy ranked slightly ahead of him, and this is what we were just talking about, DJ Chark for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not only did he look awesome last year, not only did he have a great connection with Gardner Minshew, but garbage time. Holy crap. Their whole season's garbage Their time. Their whole season is garbage time. I, I like the McLaren kid from Washington. You like him better than DJ Chark? Yeah. I'm pretty much 50-50. I would go with Chark, I think, right now, but McLaurin looked... For game one, he looked like a veteran He's NFL He's a Big receiver. Ten guy. I'm a Big Ten guy. Um, I, I, I think this kid is, is... I mean, if you can make if you can make chicken salad out of chicken shit in Washington with that offense... Um, I, 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 I'm, I, my vote would be for the kid from Ohio State. Okay, so now, so I took him. So now we've got two running backs, Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon. We've got three wide receivers, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, Terry McLaurin, and we've got the tight end, Mark Andrews, an elite tight end. So you can see here how easy it is. In the fifth and sixth round, you're getting awesome wide receivers. You don't need to take them in the first two rounds. So that's great. And now if I look at the wide receivers, the next ton of wide receivers I have no interest in. So now let's go back to running back. Okay. And the first guy available, love this guy. Speaking of the Rams, the other guy who's a great value besides Higby and besides Robert Woods, Cam Akers, who will be the new starting running back, who is the new Todd Gurley in uh, in Los Angeles. I love this kid. I've been watching this kid's game film. This kid is the real deal as far as I'm concerned. I don't like to say that about college guys very often. But if nothing else, it's really tough to get a starting running back in the seventh or eighth round, and you can do that with Cam Akers. So 100%, I want Cam Akers here, and all of a sudden, I think we've got three stud running backs. Done. Okay. Now, this is where the guy gets the turn here. So this guy took Deshaun Watson as a quarterback and Jarvis Landry as a receiver. Okay. Now, here's an interesting one. This is a tough spot here. I'm not sure who to take. The next ranked running back is Sony Michelle, who doesn't know how to play football, and he just had foot surgery. Darius Geis is injured all the time. All the time. Gets hurt falling out of the shower. Hmm. Keyshawn Vaughn, who knows if he's even going to get much time compared to Ronald Jones. He could be Tom Brady's new James White, but the next ranked guy is James, James White, White out of Wisconsin. So I do like him. Let's just take a quick glance. Quarterbacks. See, if you're going to take a quarterback here, you could take Josh Allen or Matt Ryan. But, I mean, again, you can get really good. You can get guys at the very end of the draft that are fantastic. It's just you don't need to. Uh, running backs don't like wide receivers. No one too interesting that's floating my boat there. Tight end, we don't need kicker defense way too early. I almost think we have to take uh, James White, who could be a really good safety valve he, for Jared you know Stidham or whoever. Exactly, and James White is a guy that finds the end zone. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know how he does it, but he finds the end zone. He's just a little shit, um, and uh, I would have no problem at all taking the former Wisconsin running back James White with this with this pick. I love James White. Yeah, we're taking him. So now you see it's the strategy, like I said here. So we started off with two running backs. We then got uh, our three receivers and a tight end, and now it's just we've gotten two running backs, and then really for the next we could take one more wide receiver, but other than that, like the next one, two, three, four, five, six. Like the next six picks should be basically maybe five running backs and and uh, wide receivers. So we'll have gotten like seven or seven or eight running backs and eight picks, you know. And I just think that's the way to go. So now we're going to have two fairly quick picks here. Um, don't see anyone who's floating my boat for wide receiver yet either. Yeah. So running back. Okay. 
couple interesting things here. We've got Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, who are going to be sharing the workload in Miami. Mm -hmm. Now, Jordan Howard, I think, is supposed to be the starter, but he's more of a plotter. Matt Breida is the fastest running back in the league last couple. Both of the last two years, I believe, he has had the fastest touchdown. Really? Yeah, he's a. people don't realize how fast Matt Breida is. So either one, it's tough because no, neither one's the confirmed starter. You've got Philip Lindsay in this range, who's supposed to be the backup to melvin gordon but i'm not convinced i'm not convinced of that i i mean he could they might start it like that but if he outplays him which right. he could and then you've got damian williams who is the starter in a great offense right who's going to put up good numbers and and uh seems to be a a guy that can avoid the injury problems and and uh, i don't know but i don't know many times you'd want to go against andy reed and his offense and what those kids are capable of doing out there so if those are my choices, I'm going with Williams out of Kansas City. Yeah, we could potentially wait slightly longer, but there's no one else I want too much in this in this thing. And we're going to get another pick and three picks anyway. So well, let's go with Damian Williams um, at the end of the ninth. Again, a little early, but uh, I want to get him. So now this next guy took Sony Michelle and Philip Lindsay. Okay, so yeah, Howard and Breed are not bad picks. Then you get into like your Tariq Cohen... Latavius Murray I like as a backup. And then you get into Alexander Madison, who I don't think we have to take quite yet. I'll glance at the wide receivers. Uh, let's see, Mike Williams. Uh, the Giants have a bunch of good receivers. I can't figure out who's going to get what, though. Jamison Crowder is a must-draft for the Jets in full PPR, but in half PPR, not as much. Okay. So let's go with a running back again. Uh, I'm going to say Jordan Howard. This doesn't excite me. I'm going to say I kind of want to have Matt Breida here as a depth guy. I mean, he's our sixth running back. So if he hits great, if not, it's fine, right? Okay, let's go with it. Okay. Now it's going to go all the way back and then all the way back to us for our late 11th round pick. And here's where I would typically be targeting Alexander Madison. And he just went off the board, darn it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, okay, no problem. No big deal. Uh, Latavius Murray still there. The two games last year where in the middle of the season where uh, where Alvin Kamara was out, Latavius Murray was, I think, the top running back in fantasy each of those weeks. Like he had over 30 fantasy points each well, of those weeks. And, you know, he was a number one back at one time in both Oakland and Minneapolis or Minnesota with the Vikings. So the guy can play. I used to take him all the time. Yeah, in Oakland. I, the guy can play. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So. If that's a guy that you want to target, I think we should do it. Yeah. I, I have uh, you have my full support in that one. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, I like him too. Okay, Latavius Murray, it is. Okay, and now the second pick of the twelfth round. Let's take a glance. If anyone interesting is available, not really for wide receivers. The one so there's a type of draft called a best ball draft, which all you do is you literally do the draft and that's it. You don't have to substitute players. You don't have to pick up guys. You just draft a bunch of guys, and then every week the computer fills in who would have been the best guy to start that week, right? And so, and which guys were poor and should stay on your bench. In those leagues, I like Mecole Hardman of the Chiefs because he, he's that little fast guy who he'll do nothing for two games, and then all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes gives him three touchdowns, yeah. and they're all like long ones and speed kills yeah i don't care what positions so. so he's a perfect guy for best ball drafts not as much for this uh running backs you know who i really like this year actually i like little boston scott he was unbelievable last year uh for the eagles really little uh, running back and he was fantastic 
Uh, he had some monster games, especially when they rested Miles Sanders in Week mm-hmm. 17. He had three touchdowns. So uh, let's take him as another deficit. So we've taken six running backs in a row, and that's typical. So now we get two quick picks at the end of the 13th and early 14th. This is going to be uh, a quarterback and, let's see, probably another receiver. We could use a fourth one. Uh, You know who I'd kind of like here? I like Brashad Perryman, who helped me win some leagues last year when he was the the Bucks number one receiver when Evans and Godwin were hurt. Okay. And now he he might be the number one receiver in the Jets on the Jets this year. Right? And yep. so I, I like him there. Okay. And now we're gonna pick our now the last three picks, quarterback, uh kicker and defense. So quarterback, let's see who is available. Okay. And I don't think this guy will be available actually at this point, but I've noticed he isn't with the computer here. Tom Brady is still available. Now, he is 43 years old. Oh. No one's ever had a good 43-year-old QB season. Right. Uh, it's a new system. He's finally without his training wheels of Bill Belichick. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't think I want him this year. I, I could see him just being terrible, <laughs> to be honest with you. Regardless of how you know uh, what he's accomplished with the six rings and everything else and nine Super Bowls in total, it's a new system. Yeah. And there's going to be an adjustment. And this has been such a weird and wacky offseason that... Even though he's conducting these workouts around the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay area with his teammates and such, um, I still think it's an adjustment, and uh, I agree. I, I'm not uh, I'm not on the Tampa Bay uh, bandwagon yet. I think we can find somebody better. Yeah. So uh, next is Matthew Stafford, who is great, but I don't like the injury concerns. I don't like he sold his house. Like I don't know what the hell's going on there. No one said. I've been waiting to hear. Stafford's back and he's great and he's 100% and he's gonna like I have not heard like I don't know if anyone else just hasn't noticed that I haven't seen anything about that no you're not the only one I haven't seen anything all I the last news I heard about Stafford was that he had a half court of the half court of the old uh, floor on at the old uh, palace of Auburn Hills installed in his house and his house is for sale so and I thought for sure we'd hear something that he was moving on or we we don't even know what we haven't even got an injury update on how Matthew Stafford's doing. So uh, again, I, I don't think we should waste a pick there. I and, think we can do better. And the next guy reminds me of the family feud X sound, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next. Uh, I think a guy we should look at if we can get him is Kyler Murray in Arizona. Oh no, he's long gone. Well, he is I figured, the, but he that, is that was the, my shot at the dark. Yeah, his the hype for him. Now in this league, he went in the seventh round. I think he'll go... Uh, earlier than Higher, that okay and in two quarterback leagues uh he's going in the first or second round i mean it's crazy so um ben roethlisberger is uh you know he's pretty old and he's coming off arm surgery and who knows what's going on there but the next few i kind of like here i i've been drafting ryan Tannehill a lot and i didn't like him much in miami but it turns out that ryan Tannehill and Kenyon drake and uh who else did uh, he Mika Fitzpatrick yeah, anybody else any, that can get out of Miami you've done very well getting out of South FLA yeah everyone else uh, that worked for Adam Gase apparently apparently they had an all-star team and uh, <laughs> he just didn't know how to use any of them so Ryan Tannehill with his scrambling ability he got a number of rushing touchdowns last year he played very well he was actually one of the top fantasy options last year wow, for the second that half that surprises the, year. the shit out of me I know but I mean it's just it's Gase it's the, he was the problem uh, we can take Tannehill, we can take Jared Goff, we can take Joe Burrow, we can take, and and then I wouldn't take him in this situation, 
But if let's say you're in a league, two quarterback league, you have to start two quarterbacks instead of one, or let's say it's late in the draft and and people took a lot of uh, quarterbacks, the guy I like, and I said it earlier, if you are just stuck and you have to take somebody, Gardner Minshew, he played well, he can scramble, which really helps your fantasy points. And he's going to get a lot of garbage time. Garbage, gar, garbage Minshew. <laughs> Gardner Minshew. Uh, I actually the porn like, star. Yeah, the porn star. Uh, if if you're desperate for a for a, a very very late See, quarterback, I, I still think, and you may find this funny, but I still think that Cam Newton is going to find his way to Jacksonville. I really do. I don't know why. I have nothing to base this on. Um, I know that because of this unique off season, teams haven't been able to test the foot and see how it's doing, but. Cam Newton, I mean, we keep talking and people keep talking about finding a place for uh, Colin Kaepernick to play on somebody's roster. My God, there's got to be a roster out there that could use a Cam oh, Newton. Oh, no kidding. And, I mean, my God, uh, this is a guy that won in league MVP. He's a guy that's taken a team to a Super Bowl. I'm not a huge Cam Newton fan, but, my God, what the guy's done at the collegiate level, he won a national championship. Again, he took the... Uh, the Carolina Panthers to Super Bowl 50, I believe, against the Denver Broncos. They lost, but, I mean, he still got there. You know, again, I'm so tired of hearing about Colin Kaepernick when you've got a guy like no uh, Cam, Cam Newton that can actually play the game and could actually contribute to a team, and we don't have to genuflect and kiss his ass while we're, we're worried about him. Um, I, I, if you want Minshew, get him. I just think that... that you know, Jacksonville, you don't associate Jacksonville with smart business moves and good football moves. But for some reason, I just have a feeling that call or excuse me, that uh, Cam Newton is going to end up in north in the northeast corner of Florida, because, again, there is somebody that needs a quarterback, the quality of a Cam Newton. And think about it this way. You can get him pretty on the cheap now because the Carolina Panthers are still paying some of his contract. So I, I, if you want Minshew, get him. Any team that's got a porn star has got to be a point in the right direction. I just think, in you know, totally total editorial here, but my total editorial is that if you think Colin Kaepernick deserves a job in the National Football League, there's a few guys higher up that ring that are really deserving of a shot back in the National Football League. Yeah, and exactly. It, it's just, I mean, it's a neat narrative for people who have an interest in a certain thing. Or uh, nothing to, else to do with their life. Yeah, to say that Kaepernick's being held down. But when Cam Newton can't find a job, uh, there's more to it than that. So, no, I, like I said, he's too far down there, Minshew. Uh, he's a great emergency guy to keep in your back pocket. But no, I want one of these three. You, I'd, you I'd, I'd, like, I'd like the kid from Los Angeles. Uh, I think that Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff sure. okay. I think Goff is, is going to have more responsibility this year. I also think the focus is a little bit off of the Los Angeles Rams this year. Um, Super Bowl two years ago and then not make the Super Bowl last year. And, you know, you, Gurley's gone, and thank you, Shampoo Boy is gone. And uh, there has been some change in the Southland. And, uh, yes, they're moving into the new stadium, yada, yada, yada. But I just think there's so much focus in that very, very, very difficult NFC West division with Russell Wilson, but obviously the, the leaders in the clubhouse got to be the 49ers. Arizona is going to be improved, and I think some of the shine has kind of lifted and some of the the uh, the eyes are off focus of the L.A. Rams right now, and I think that's a good thing for a young quarterback who I think is now it's the time for him to take that next step, and I I'm, I, I like the pick of, of uh, Jared Goff for our quarterback at this position. I like him too, but work, the only thing working against your argument is it was announced that the Rams and the Chargers will be the subject 
of hard knocks this year. Yeah, so, I knew that. So they're yeah. going to have cameras everywhere. And True, and that's a good hype. point. But I, I think you get what I mean in regard yeah. to, you know, last year it was a disappointment in Los Angeles because, you know, you thought after losing the Super Bowl that they would be right there again last season. And, you know, they had some heartbreak losses and they had some injuries, no question about it. Um, and teams game planned, obviously, more vociferously for the Rams than they had in previous years. But I think this is a good spot for Jared Goff, hard knocks or not. Okay. All right. And so we're going to end off our draft with a kicker and defense. Uh, the kicker I really like this year is Zane Gonzalez in Arizona because, like we said, they're going to be a decent offense. They're going to try and be a high-powered offense. However, Kyler Murray showed a tendency, maybe because he's short or whatever else, but he really stalled in the red zone a lot. Now, you'd think DeAndre Hopkins would certainly help out with that regard, in that sure. regard. But at the same time, I think they're going to get into the red zone a lot, uh, or at least get into the uh, the opposition side of the field sure. But a lot. But I think they're going to stall in field goal range a lot. So I like Zane Gonzalez. I'm fine with that. Um, I mean, obviously, if you have your druthers, you always want to take Baltimore's kicker. He's the best in the game, but obviously somebody scooped him oh, up probably yeah. long, long time ago. But he is an unbelievably good kicker, and he is a paramount of importance to the Baltimore Ravens who play defense, they play offense, but they also have a kicker that saved their ass on more than a few occasions. But um, I don't know much about this kid with Arizona, but I take and I trust you, so let's pick him. Okay, and then for our final pick, uh, pick a defense. You know what I do for picking defenses? All I do is I look at who's got a good matchup in week one, and then I might, and then if there's a few, then I'll look at okay, how are all of their week two matchups and week three matchups, and and that's it. And then I'm probably going to drop them anyway because you're always wanting to. I like to at least. You don't have to stay with the same defense all no, year. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Now again, obviously, if someone's got a top ranked defense like the Niners, they're probably going to keep them. Or uh, Baltimore. Yeah, or Baltimore, whatever. But obviously, you always have the... Just like any other position, you always have the waiver wire where you right. can look through and pick up whoever is there. And pretty much any time, you can find a decent uh, a decent defense on there where you just... They might not be the greatest defense, but they're playing a shitty offense or something. Well, my suggestion here, and you may be surprised by this, it's not the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the Buffalo Bills. I like Buffalo's defense. Um, I think that the expectations this year for Buffalo are going to get ratcheted up quite significantly, even you know, even with the Peculias owning them. But uh, Sean McDermott is a former defensive coordinator of a Super Bowl winning defense that went to the Super Bowl again in, in uh, Super Bowl 50. Um, you know, you've got guys all over that field making plays. You've got that Phillips guy. You've got Ed Oliver at nose. Um, you've got a good linebacking core. And you've got a very good and underrated secondary um, I, I just feel that we're going to see some really, really good things from the Buffalo uh, Bills in uh, 2020. And uh, I don't know if this is within what you're thinking, but uh, I tried to think about this real quick. And, and I think Buffalo's defense is, is underrated. And, you know, think about playing a couple of games in Rich Stadium every year where it's snowing and windy and, and uh, there might be a couple of games that end up 10 to 7. So, um I don't know. For my two cents worth, I, I'm very high on the Buffalo Buffalo Bills defense moving forward. I am too. Uh, they are off the board. They haven't taken, but uh, I, I, I do want to say though, they've had a good defense every year for a long time, yeah. and they've had a good home field advantage for a long time as well for a number of reasons. So yeah, they're always a great defensive pick. But no, you know who I who like? Who do we have? Who do we have to choose from? Uh, I like the Indianapolis Colts because they're playing the Jags in Week One. 
and I know it's on the road. That's a nice one. Okay. But but they've got some tricky stuff there. They've got you know they got Malik Hooker in the back there, and they've got DeForest Buckner and, and uh, Houston, Justin Houston. Justin Houston on the outside providing rush. Um, an underrated secondary, no question. Jacksonville's the worst Jacksonville team in the league. Jacksonville sucks. Has no O-line. No idea what they're doing. I like that. Let's do it. Yeah. Indianapolis Colts. Sounds good to me. Yeah, there's way higher ranked defense. There's a bunch. Um, like right above them, I like the Chargers. Uh, it, it's they're also The Chargers also on the road week one, but they're playing Joe Burrow in his first game. Is he going to light it up? Is he going to... I mean... But you put those, you know, and we used to talk about this all the time. I remember it like it was just yesterday. We talked about Bosa and Ingram on the outside for the San Diego slash Los Angeles slash Tijuana City uh, Chargers. That's a really good pick. And um, I, I think that's pretty tall order to have your first game as Joe Burrow at home, an Ohio kid, and you're going to get, going up against your former uh, college teammate in Joey Bosa, who's going to want to introduce him quite, uh, you know, uh, hurtful in hurtful ways. Want to introduce him to the National Football League? I don't know. Um, boy, and also, too, it's not only I, Joe Burrow. I, I like the Indy pick because you know Jacksonville sucks. Yeah, let's do Indy. Let's do Indy. But uh, I will say though that not only is it Joe Burrow's first game, it's also Jonah Williams' first game that left tackle. That's because right. He, he missed, missed all last year with that's an injury. Right. Yeah. So I I think that Bengals could be fun. They could be exciting this year. They could even win some games. Sure. But, week but it's going to be it's going to be later in the season after they kind of mesh a little bit. And Chargers have a good defense anyway. That's right. They have they the do. best. They probably have the best secondary in the league. Well, you know, Derwin you've got James. Der- Derwin James, who I still think is an unbelievable steal from the draft a couple well, of years hilarious. ago. Great job by tom telesco there with the chargers underrated general manager we always talk about all the great general managers and we don't seem to include tom telesco we need to rectify that because telesco has done a very good job and think about how difficult it would be the last couple of years doing your job as a general manager of the chargers when you're playing games in that shit box in los angeles and your head office is still in in uh, La Jolla, California, and uh, all, you know, like we've said many times, they played about 16 road games a year. So um, even though in this case, I I think we should go with the Indy defense in week one just because they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. All right. So this is a fairly typical team for me. Uh, I love this. We've got one quarterback, one tight end, one kicker, and one defense. How I like it. Jared Goff, Mark Andrews, Zane Gonzalez, Indianapolis Colts. Love all those picks. Four wide receivers, which I'm happy with. Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, Terry McLaurin, and Brashad Perryman. And then we've got eight running backs, which is exactly what I like to do as well. I like at least six, if not seven or eight. We've got Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Cam Akers, James White, Damian Williams, Matt Breida, Latavius Murray, and Boston Scott. I'm very, very happy with this draft. If you draw the number nine slot in a in a live draft you're doing, don't worry. I saw something the other day that said that so far the highest ranked draft results have been, I think, from the nine slots. So, uh, you know, it's not a sexy number. Everyone wants to draft number one and take McCaffrey. But I'm telling you, uh, drafting from the nine spot, you can get two real true stud run. You're basically guaranteed two stud running backs. And right there, you're going to have an edge over how most people draft. Let's put a wrap on this uh, 520th uh unique episode of unscripted with mike and chris a lot of fun i learned a lot today remember i was the schmuck that originally took elvin kamara instead of christian mccaffrey last year that's how stupid i am but uh, my education still is continuing uh, that it's was, ongoing that was a reason that, it was that wasn't, ongoing that wasn't that bad and, and in fairness you know what in in my work draft uh that i where i actually won the league i had the fourth pick and i had i had told everybody like i was trying to trade for the first pick and take mccaffrey and i couldn't get it 
And then uh, saw our buddy Sean actually had the first pick. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sean Nichols, our, um, our fantasy correspondent. And he, he took Saquon Barkley, number one. And then uh, this was right after Zeke signed his contract. So an- another guy took Zeke at number two. And then the guy ahead of me did the same thing, took Kamara at number three. And I, I'm sitting there and McCaffrey falls to me at number four. And then we saw what he did. One of the greatest running back seasons oh. of all time. Oh. One of the greatest and, and, fantasy you know, seasons ever. And I think the thing that makes it so much, so much more impressive is that everybody in the stadium knew when 22 was in the lineup for the Carolina Panthers that there was a 90% chance he was going to get the ball in some way, shape, or form on every goddamn play. Um, he's a fine young man and a hell of a running back. And I erred there, but it's part of, it's called education. So I'm getting an education and I learned something today. And I hope that you did too, as well on this special edition of unscripted episode number 520, as we did a very quick, but a very informative and insightful, uh, fantasy football NFL mock draft. We've got to run. Thanks as always for participating. Thanks again for joining us. And as I remind you, please take the time to get to one of our 18 different ways to listen to Unscripted and take a couple of extra minutes to subscribe. We would truly appreciate it and we would be in your debt forever and ever. Amen. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Luke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.